0: The following podcast is brought to you by cdkoffers.com. Use offer code BROKENSILICON for 25% off Windows codes and DieShrink for 3% off all other codes. And then it is also brought to you by thehenma.com. Use Moore's Law for 10% off your first order of coffee. All right, let's get to the show. broken silicon a computer hardware and gaming podcast i am your host tom and i am joined as always on these news recap episodes by dan dan the fish killing man hell yeah i don't know how are you doing dan pretty good long day at work today so (laughs) as i always seem to ask did you kill some fish one i did one only one. one fish slow day i don't what do you mean what what else did you even do cuz as far as i'm aware all you do is kill fish it's not like you do any actual scientific work or you know like or that there's any legitimate reason you're in grad school right
1: yeah it's it, it's definitely true that um i don't actually do any experiments that's not really what i'm there for
0: well, I thought the experiments were how many fish could you kill in a day. And today's experiment sounds like a disaster.
1: That's just an unofficial contest, more than anything. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it, it really only happens probably twice a week on on a, a heavy fish killing week because uh, now I'm now I'm doing a lot more with bacteria, so I'm killing a lot of bacteria these days.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, well, Corona is a virus. So it's not like you're really getting vengeance for us right now. You're really just killing a different small organism.
1: Yeah, that's true. And that's it is E. coli, so, so oh, okay. Well, scary. we don't like that. But it is a non dangerous strain strain of E. coli
0: because most E. coli is pretty not dangerous. So you're this is just all collateral damage you're doing here.
1: Yeah. But it but it's all for the advancement. I mean, Dan, E. coli are e. Coli people are, too. People, too, in some way, I guess you could say. We are very, very distantly related to them.
0: All right. Well, I really don't know where this is going. So I'm well, we don't out. need to keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really sure if this was a bit or what was happening, so I'm going to end the conversation there. <laughs> um, I guess let's just get into some of the reader mails in the beginning here. So Sharps97 writes in and he says, when will you have your doggo? Her name is Reesey. And this is she, by the way. Find this you sexist people, assuming all dogs are boys. Uh, when will you have your doggo drop off an envelope with bombshell information? This is essential for true and just information. Disclosure And in 2020 will not become 2021 until this happens. Well, there's no way that's true. If it was, I'd be doing this immediately just so we can just freaking get into 2021 and get the hell out of this year. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but what's wrong, um, what's wrong with this year? But I don't know. I mean, maybe I will have her deliver something at some point. The funny thing is I never really intended her to be any sort of center point in my videos. And I I still don't to this day. I mean, I remember my first videos like she was in the background. And I was like, eh, it's YouTube. Who cares if she's in the background? But I never wanted it to be like a gimmick where every video she was showing up every three minutes. That's just not, (laughs) you know, if she's upstairs and she's sleeping during my next... Video, which but it's probably going to be a leak on the Intel Z. I think I might call it Baba of GPUs because uh, well, that's what Raja Kadora called it. Or I could say Raja Kadori's ice cream toppings for 2021 because <laughs> he's always freaking talking about ice cream. Um, like that, that. I think I'm going to finally get into that. And uh, you know, if she's upstairs sleeping, she's upstairs sleeping. Yeah. What do you think, Dan?
1: I mean, I don't know. I think it's kind of funny. Like. Yeah, she like your uh, desk is just happens to be in, in front of like her favorite spot in the house. That chair
0: behind you—that's true. I didn't try to do that. That is just a coincidence.
1: I think you do need to learn it about the internet. If a dog or cat shows up, it will be mentioned.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, also she is the cutest Vivi on earth. So I mean, come
1: on—that's that is part of it. Which but your dog is still dog. the
0: star of one of the commercials in the middle of the podcast to this day. <laughs> That's good. She's just chilling right now, though. <laughs> yeah, she's not behind you, which is really weird. You were saying, actually, that you think she knows when you're video chatting because she never comes into your room, or at least she rarely does, unless you're video chatting, and then she like does stuff in the background. You think she's possibly intentionally trying to get attention that way? I don't know if she is or
1: not. I think she, she definitely notices something because it could be I'm on a call with you friends, whatever, she's usually right on the bed the entire time.
0: <laughs> I mean, she is pretty cute, yeah. Big Lamb yeah. writes in and he says, Do you like gaming at 4K more than 1440p? First of all, all things equal, yes, it's a higher resolution. <laughs> I personally don't see a difference between them when sitting at a traditional monitor distance and not going over 27 inches. Well, I'm, I mean, what am I? I've got let me get this, got a tape measure here. I'm literally. Let's see. I mean, I'm probably somewhere between
1: two. I'm probably around four, two feet away from my computer.
0: I, I'm I'm two feet from my 27-inch 4K monitor. And I can 100% tell the difference. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Even when I sit farther back, I can tell the difference on my OLED TV. Which My TV is pretty big, so it's not really a surprise. But although, again, it is harder to tell on the OLED screen. Much harder because you don't get that jagginess increase not running a native resolution that you do with an LCD screen.
1: Well, yeah, and it's hard to say. It kind of just overall looks, it just looks smoother. It's hard to it's hard to really say why it looks smoother. Like some of the uh, anti-aliasing isn't really that much better once you're getting into these super high high resolutions. But I will say the other big benefit, and I think you get this even if you can't really tell the difference, is 4K is really good for productivity work just because you can have a lot on screen at the same time. Like I I feel like a 4K monitor can easily function as two
0: monitors, essentially. But if you, but but the point I was making is, it seems like both next gen consoles will have a 1440p output option. Finally, by the way, Um, I think the Xbox already has it though. Um, And if you have that and you're happy with your display, well, then you don't need to upgrade now because there's no way around it. LCD is LCD; it just is. And Mm. well, my display looks way better than my 1080p. Display I'm coming from. It was a nice 1080p screen. And I think it's firmly in the middle. It's not, it is not OLED. The difference to OLED is so blatantly obvious, but <laughs> you know, maybe just upgrade now if you need to upgrade and you will avoid getting the first wave of price gouged monitors. And if uh you are happy with your display, you know, don't worry about it. You don't need to get any of this stuff, you know? Well, I mean,
1: yeah, and that is the thing. Being an early adopter, there are benefits as Like you get the technology earlier, but you're also the beta tester for that technology. So
0: it's not two grand for these 4K 120 hertz things. It's not even over a grand anymore if you find a good deal. And if you can get, if you want 4K 120, which I like it. And I also highlight in my review this idea that it's hard, that it's, I shouldn't say hard, that it's impossible to run is ridiculous. There's literally no AAA game I have, including Battlefield 5, Metro Exodus. Um it doesn't matter name the game I can run it above 1440p above or around 100 hertz at all times with free sync on like it's just it's well, a, it's a silly argument I turned down 14. a few settings and I'm playing Battlefield 5 at 120 hertz at like 80% resolution scale so that's i think around 1800p if not higher I play a Metro Exodus I don't know I actually might just turn that on max like ultra <laughs> The, and then with HDR turned on, which my monitor actually, di- I, in hindsight, it actually does have OK. It has HDR. It is noticeable. It's just not anywhere near as good as my OLED. But I guess that's what I'm saying, too, is this idea. If you have a high-end card, like I'm saying, twenty, you know, 5700 XT or higher, you can run games at above 60 hertz in 4K right now. Just turn down a few settings. Well, so anyways, let's get into corrections and omissions. Alithor writes in and says, on episode 53, there's also a Vega 56 with a shortened PCB, the Sapphire Pulse, and I believe one of those power color cards. There's actually a few of the power color cards, by the way. But yeah, so we have a picture here pulled up, and there will be links in the description. And it's like... He's pointing out shortened PCBs, I think, in reference to me and not an Apple fan's discussion, or maybe me and your discussion about shortened PCBs on Ampere. And it's like, oh no, we know, we remember the shortened PCBs <laughs> on Furies and Vega. I mean, they were absolutely tiny, and especially with the Furies, they were just and and most Vega cards, they were just adding these big old shrouds and metal heat sinks off of a PCB that if you they would have just underclocked it, they could have fit in. I mean, they do. They put these in laptops, <laughs> so. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, no. I, before we got started recording, I was just said, "Oh yeah, those PCBs were tiny. Like that thing is. I I, I don't know how they got it so damn small, but
0: it's it's cute." Well, <laughs> HBM takes up less room. Yeah, that's. Oh yeah, yeah. Dan, it's a very cute graphics kind. You freaking noob. You normie. I'm so dumb. <laughs> Blokes writes in. He says, Broken Silicon 54, you said anything you could buy for a PC that won't be obsolete a couple of years from now, uh, to a correction, Tom, they could buy a good audio setup, which is true. That's a conclusion I came to in college where I was like, you know, I'm going to get a nice set of big, I think you can actually see it in one picture in the monitor review I did, these nice big Yumi red speakers with really strong bass and output. And yeah, I mean, it makes such a world of difference. I have a nice Yamaha soundbar for my TV. And it's like, again, before upgrading graphics cards, I would first just get a good audio system. Now, a lot of people like high-end audio gaming headsets. I actually prefer speakers. I like I don't like things on my head, Dan.
1: Yeah, I don't that much either. I I I usually prefer to like wear earbuds and stuff like that instead of having a those giant bulky headphones. Also because I feel like I'm look like a, a douchebag when I'm wearing them.
0: Yeah, you look like one of those gamer dudes. There's no way around it. Like someone who will be drinking Mountain Dew and like hiding something from the detectives in Law and Order SVU.
1: Well, I am still drinking Mountain Dew because if you'll remember... Because you're in that, Law and Order it, SVU.
0: Well, no, it's gamer fuel. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, how could I game without it? Um Avenger, the 22nd, writes in, in Broken Silicon 55, around the 42-minute mark, you made a blunder. You said throwing money at the problem didn't solve an issue. Tom, Tom you could just throw more money at the problem. <laughs> you need to get better educated on this. You can that, you can always throw more money on, at things. That's true. Uh <laughs> yeah, I, I will say that that's just not something that's worked for a lot of companies. It doesn't matter... How much money Microsoft threw at Mixer, it's gone because no one wanted to use it, much like uh, some of their other products, let me say, and many other things Google's done as well. I'm sure Google (laughs) threw a lot of money at Stadia. And uh, well, I guess it's not dead yet. So what, uh, I shouldn't act like it is, but just, and, and
1: their, their social media company they tried to have for a while. What was it called? Like Google? Did Plus. they try?
0: I, I guess I didn't pay much attention to, I just remember I had one cause I had a Google account. I don't remember how much advertising, I guess I saw a couple ads for it. There was for like a year, there were a ton of ads for it. And no, no. one cared. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. Cause I didn't care. I <laughs> yeah. writes in and says, not quite a correction, but I do want to say, AMD didn't move forward with Phenom 2 into a Phenom 3 because it did not scale well with smaller nodes. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is something I talk about all the time, and sometimes people tr- correct me. And um, I, I understand that they probably couldn't have scaled it nearly as well as a brand new architecture. But the fact of the matter is, I have a hard time believing they couldn't have gotten Just with a straight die shrink and some tweaks to the cache, a 5% clock speed increase, slightly higher IPC. And if they just focused on clock speed and density, you know, maybe six cores instead of four cores and maybe six to 10 cores for the same die size, Mm -hmm. uh, at least eight cores. And there's no way around it. Like, this is a video I did. I don't remember if it's public anymore. I don't know if it was up to my quality standards or not, but... Like I said, you can't tell me like a 4.5 gigahertz eight core Phenom with slightly higher IPC than Phenom two at 125 watts wouldn't have done far far better against the 2700K or even the uh, even the Sandy Bridge uh, six core than bulldozer did. You just can't tell me it wouldn't have been a better situation.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, regardless, like it would have probably been a better situation unless like there was some. True problems with die shrinking phenom onto a smaller node.
0: With, I think but, I, mean, I thought I, I heard that they actually considered dropping bulldozer a year before it came out and rapidly trying to die shrink phenom, but they decided it was too late and they just had to commit to it because they knew they could improve it.
1: Yeah. Oh man, they never really did. But Well, they did. But well, they did. I
0: mean, Pile Driver was basically what Bulldozer should have been. I mean, frankly, it still wasn't as good as Bulldozer should have been for the hype around it. But if 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 it would have been Pile Driver versus Sandy Bridge, you know, something 20% better, there would have been a, a much better discussion. And then if Pile Driver would have been 20% better than that, maybe, but they just. No, they just they gave up. They said it's time to go into almost like a, a hibernation resource saving mode where we're only going to make APUs basically and keep selling bulldozer for four or five years straight, or should I say pile driver, and uh, just hope Zen works. But it did, and luckily it did. Yes. Yeah, oh my it, God! Thank God. AMD it did. would not be in a good place if it didn't. <laughs> no, no, they would not be. All right, let us get into the news. So, story number one. 2K Breaks Gaming's de facto $60 ceiling as $70 for the next-gen NBA 2K21. Now, this is actually something we touched on. I don't remember if we touched on it in a die shrink or not. Um, I think we may have. Um, but I know we talked about it in length with the Tech Deals crew. And, and, and that episode was well-received. Not the usual affair, like many things I've been doing. Although, frankly, I'm just <laughs> kind of tired of leaks right now. But... um, yeah, you wanted to add it to this again, too. So I guess I'm not going to quote anything from this, but what people need to know is 2K's new NBA game will be supposedly $70 for the next-gen version. And just to be clear, it doesn't seem like this is something where they're like, oh, and it comes with a season yeah. pass just in the box. No, there's still all this nickel-and-diming on top of it, too. So, But but what do you think about the fact that it seems like, and I've been—I I, I will say—I have been skeptical that they will increase the price, and I have more to say about that in a second. But like, what do you think first about games going to seventy dollars? I mean, which the it seems thing like they are I going think to. We said
1: before is hopefully we'll see more of a um, more of a like heterogeneous thing now, where some games are sixty, some are seventy, some are eighty, maybe like Red Dead Redemption's are hundred. Uh, what worries me is that this game is seventy dollars. Most be- is because it's an it's like an annualized sports game that has like a nine month development cycle. Like, I don't think if we're if we're raising the prices of gaming to seventy dollars, yeah. I don't think this is the this is the game you break the news with, in my opinion. <laughs> but ho- I don't think seventy dollars is too substantial of an increase. So I get why they're trying to be a little bit. They're not be- going crazy because. If you're willing to spend sixty dollars on a game, I think very few people wouldn't be willing to uh, spend seventy. It's not that big of an increase,
0: and, and it really is important for us to point this out. Like games went to sixty dollars fifteen years ago, fifteen years, and so if I go to two thousand five right now and calculate that to it's two twenty seventy one USD. Yeah, and and let's put it the other way though, right? It would be like if games were 45, 46 bucks, right? Like that's what it would be like in that money. So it'd be like that. You guys got to understand though, to be fair, that they haven't, this is an unprecedented amount of time that prices haven't met with inflation. And I I, I just, I just think it's time for people to put money where their mouth is, right? Like, you know, you vote with your wallet. So if you don't think a game's worth seventy dollars, that's fine. And you know what? I think publishers are going to s- expecting this. Here's actually what I think is going to happen: I think that we're going to see more of this truncation and diversity in pricing, where big, big tentpole games, your PlayStation exclusives, your your Halos, your Battlefields, where there's really only a Battlefield every couple of years, and they're not even usually the same exact series, like. Those will be $70. And you're going to see more of the $40 games be $50. And then what's going to happen too is you'll see them say, well, we're okay with 5 or 10% less people buy this because we're charging more than 10% at launch. And we're just going to be more willing to maintain prices too. I think, I, and I, I guess I'm not really making it sound good, but I think, I think you're seeing this already. I'm seeing Steam games not drop prices much. They're just not as much yeah. as they used to over the years. And so I think what you're going to hope, what will, I hope will happen is less nickel and diming with specific types of AAA games. Obviously, I don't care about the cosmetic stuff, but I really hope what we just see is $70 at launch. And maybe there's just a couple games you get for $70 a year, your favorite, favorite games that are big blockbusters. And then six months later, it's 60. And then a year later, it's 50. And then two years later, they're selling it for 30. And then they're just going to kind of hold it at fifteen, eventually, that's what I expect to happen moving forward with big games. But I think you're going to see plenty of games still be sixty or fifty dollars. At least, I don't think it's going to be as universal that every game goes to seventy. That's what I think, and, and and I think that what you will see though is games like this that you're pointing out, Dan, that are like nine month development times <laughs> where they really have no business charging seventy dollars for this game. And because it's an annualized series, and this is just one of those things where we're going to have to show them, hey, we're willing to pay $70 for Battlefield 6. We're willing to pay $70 for Horizon Forbidden West. We are not willing to pay $70 for FIFA or whatever.
1: Well, and the one thing I'll say is maybe it's an attempt because I think a lot of the, I think the sp- sports video game community tends to be more its own insular community than the rest of the other games communities where a lot of people do only really like a few sports games so maybe very few people that are super into like 2k or madden for example would be would maybe they just wouldn't be that mad or like I mean, this is the only game I buy every year. Sure, I'll pay
0: 10 more dollars Yeah, for it. that's probably what they're thinking. And that's why you think Call... I think, like, we know Call of Duty. Call of Duty has an expensive budget, first of all. Yeah, I mean, it also, it's just like, hey, look, they have their fans, and they're just going to say it's 70 bucks, and then we'll wait until after Christmas, and now it's 60, and that's just what we're doing from now on. Because, I mean, really, I mean, you could say inflation applies to the development costs too, which, of course, it does, but it's still, there's no way around. The development costs are up, like, 50, 100%. I would still say even with inflation in mind and games are really down 30% in prices. (laughs) So something's got to give. I'm really very much. So this is one of those things where I don't have much of an opinion when you just make it a blank statement, when you just say games are $70, like you just say that openly and it's like, oh, okay. But the way I think of it is I'll have much more opinions when you tell me specific games. If you tell me this game, 60 still, I'll go see. And if you say, well, this game's gonna try to sell it for 80, I'll say, well, maybe Cyberpunk can get away with it, but I don't think this one can.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, and we're gonna see a couple big events from Sony and Microsoft very soon. So I mean, we'll see what they do if like every game is $70, if some are sixty and some are eighty. I mean, regardless, I think we'll
0: know soon. It's just not the same as movies. Every movie is generally about, you know, eighty to a hundred and eighty or well. Yeah, eighty well, to one hundred and eighty minutes, but it's not. Like, it's like games range from four hours long, and sometimes and usually those are twenty dollars, but then some are a hundred dollars, uh, a hundred hours long, or twenty hours long, or forty. They vary so much in length and quality. Again, if you ask me, Red Dead Redemption's quality for the entire one hundred hours of play or whatever is as high as a ten-hour tight single player. For me, it was. Yeah, and so that feels yeah. that big. But then you have some much. Larger games, like we played Far Cry New Dawn, and I'm like, that game should have been five dollars. We got we got a lot to say about that. Yeah. That is the worst Far Cry yeah, I have played game was in a not while. Very good, <laughs> especially as it goes on. But I don't know. Let's continue here. So Stavenator writes in and he says, So, with the timing of filming with and with what you can find with Unreal Engine, I really find it was done on four and not what we have seen on five. We're talking about the Mandalorian. Uh, and they were yeah, so I think he's trying to say that. Like when we brought up the Mandalorian it was done in Unreal Engine. Yeah, we never said uh, we never said it was done in Unreal Engine 5. Guy uh, we were just yeah. saying Unreal Engine in general, but but it is definitely worth bringing up here. He also goes on um that they may use Unreal Engine 5 already. And so that all this money that goes into making Unreal Engine I mean, they're not even just targeting games anymore. Like, they're targeting movies. And so, like, the ambition <laughs> behind it is, I don't know, it's just worth pointing out, too, when you see, like, oh, well, so, like, that Unreal Engine demo only ran at 30 frames a second, so who cares? And it's like, well, you have to understand that the games that aren't going to look quite as good as that, probably, but they're going to render movies in it, and they'll probably look even better than that. And so that oh, yeah. is important that they be able to scale graphics that well. It's kind of amazing
1: that even Unreal Engine 4 has that broad of a range of what it can be applied to and I'm
0: sh- <laughs> I'm sure Unreal Engine 5 is going to be even bigger than. And so moving on with Unreal Engine 5 though, I threw that reader mail in before, story number 2. That amazing Unreal Engine 5 tech demo was only as GPU intensive, I believe from a geometry point of view, as Fortnite, and quoting from PC Games M, we're taking it none of you have forgotten the Unreal Engine 5 tech demo yet. Who could have? Epic Games in a press release said that the upcoming engine the company is aiming to achieve photorealism on par with movie CG in real life and that the demo we all saw didn't fail to impress these ambitions on us. But what we didn't see is how GPU-intensive the demo was. It turns out not as intensive as you would think. Vice President of Engineering Nick Penwarden said, I can say that the GPU time spent rendering the geometry specifically in our UE5 demo is similar to geometry rendering budget for Fortnite running at 60 FPS on modern existing Consoles. Let's give ourselves a moment for that to sink in. PC Games says there are no longer being left primarily down to brute force of a GPU. They are being handled by innovative software and development and developer solutions, ones that let the seriously gorgeous UE5 tech demo run its geometry rendering as well as Fortnite runs on consoles. Ah, Jesus, I almost fell apart reading the rest of that. (laughs) I don't know. I almost had a stroke, everyone. Sorry. But yeah, so let's talk about that. That's pretty interesting to hear that. So, like what was it? It was like running at like fourteen forty I think they said most of the time, 30 frames a second. Yeah. And they're saying, well, you have to understand that's because of the immense explosions we were doing and the 8K assets we were pointing in. Like just the geometry itself was as hard as to run as the geometry on consoles. <laughs> you know, that's that's crazy. That just goes to show you how good some games are going to be able to look then. And how much of yeah. that was just the fact that they were blowing up an entire city in real time?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean i i don't I don't know how much more clear it can become it can be at this point that IO equals
0: performance to an extent. That th- th- now it's going to equal p- performance. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I guess I don't know what's his name, Nick Penmarden. Yeah, uh, I guess he's probably going to get start. Uh, start getting called the PS5 shill. I, I I don't know what else to say about it. Well, we PS5. didn't even we didn't
0: even mention PlayStation in this press release. So
1: yeah, I, he didn't mention it, but people will find a way to twist it into
0: <laughs> it's. Well, they also talked about again. So like, but no, he's not a shill. There's no way around it. They chose that because they know it has like a next again. Right. I know the company Marvel that worked on the controller is going to start selling these to enterprise. So the PS5 has a next gen enterprise grade storage (laughs) solution. And that's why they showed it to stream in 8K assets because, well, that's, well, that's also frankly the easiest thing to show it on. I mean, what's the alternative? Like a multi-rate array and with super (laughs) powerful processor. So like they chose that for a reason. And I guess the only thing I'll add on to this is if you watch that Horizon Forbidden West trailer, I know that that's what it's, I've I've been told that's what it's going to look like. So people are like, well, if you walk up to the crabs, that's just in cutscenes." It's like, no, if you walk up to those crabs, that's how the game's going to look. Now, we don't know, and it looks like they're targeting 4K as well. Maybe 30 frames, you know, we'll see. But no, they're targeting CG performance in games with Unreal Engine 5. And it's because it's not all brute force anymore. It's also your I.O. And the consoles have so much more, again, like 50 times better to like 200 times better I.O., yeah. depending on which console you're talking about, versus last gen.
1: Yeah, uh, because what was it? It's
0: like, what, 50 megabytes per second I.O. on the PS4, right? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, like on the base one and the base Xbox One because it's SATA 2.
1: yeah so I, I just don't understand how you can see a 50 x increase in a stat and not think that there might be some implications to it, and how it's been hammered home for like two months now that it does have performance implications
0: <laughs> I mean it, oh yeah let does. me let me also correct myself. The SATA Two limit is not fifty megabytes per second, but I was saying they were kind of targeting the slower SATA two meant hard drives which yeah. tend to be 50 megabytes per second yeah, yeah i gotta make sure i say that before we get spammed in the comments
1: <laughs> yeah because what they yeah they don't it's not like they were putting good hard drives in the in the consoles. it
0: wasn't the worst but no they were the cheaper ones for yeah. sure yeah <laughs> like you'll get a boost by putting a 7200 rotations per minute one with decent amounts of cash you will outperform this standard one easily
1: oh yeah and that's what we always did <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I mean, when you say always, you mean back in the PS3 generation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, a, when a 320 gigabyte hard drive was like 200 god dang dollars, I don't remember what it was. It was No, it was like 150. It was ridiculous. Now yeah, you can those... get a one terabyte SSD for half that cost. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean,
1: yeah. Things have gotten really, really good when it comes to uh, storage at this point. Where you can get a terabyte for 100 bucks.
0: Well, again, and it would be rate. stupid for them to not try to utilize that. And I guess yeah. Sony's just trying to take it to the next level and we'll have to see how well it works. Snails writes him and he says, do you think that dedicated gaming only SSDs with, well, let me just cut you off right there, Snails. So if it can be used for gaming, it can probably be used for other things. But with similar co-processors to what will be in the PS5 will come out for PCs as individual components before simply being included on GPUs. Well, I'm going to say no, at least not for the next year and a half. Um, he said, would these work well enough, though, in theory, that the amount of extra beef needed to overcome efficiency deficits and consoles won't be as dramatic as some people are projecting? Which, again, I'm not, I think the truth about the consoles affecting, uh, how would we put this, the per, the quality of PC ports and how much brute force you'll need to overcome the customizations in the Xbox and PlayStation 5, like, i I think it's not as full blown as some of the console fanboys are making it out to be. It is not going to make all pcs obsolete overnight, and that's something I think some people accuse me of That's not what I think but again what i what I was told is that someone who's playing around with p s five games already said it requires at least thirty two gigabytes of RAM uh for and d d r and then you're going to need at least like an eight gigabyte graphics card and that like, and that's for like minimum settings. Like, that's not running as well as the PS5. So there's no way around that. That's not good. That's like two hundred of dollars <laughs> worth of goddamn RAM to match that performance. So it's not gonna make PCs obsolete, but it is, I think it will be a legitimate problem in twenty twenty one that will be overcome by twenty twenty two. So yeah, it's like and it might be just because RAM gets super cheap. And then we have DDR5. Like, that might be what it is. But there's a lot of people with 16 gigabytes of DDR4 that will not be happy about that. And just telling people that, oh, we'll just go buy $300 worth of components. On top of your already $1,500 build, most people won't be happy. But I don't think it's as easy to just add right now, either, though, snails. You just can't add that. Like... The design cost is expensive, but not if you're making 100 million consoles. So putting all that work in an R&D early to make something, it really doesn't cost that much extra to build once you've got the design costs in. But with how varied PC builds are, no, I don't think you can just do it. I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't. And with a and just with a uh, a simpler
1: solution, which is probably the solution that will most likely happen, is once again like we keep saying brute force. It might a very likely solution is it's just every computer has sixty four, thirty two to sixty four right. gigs of RAM in the future, and to play a game they require you to at least have like I don't know a SATA three SSD.
0: Well, to even boot the game you'll need a SATA three SSD, but people forget that SATA doesn't let you send. I believe people can correct me if I'm wrong, but their protocol is vastly inferior to NVMe guys. Right to to these PCIe lanes that we use for M.2 drives. So this idea that your SATA will just work because it's an SSD. Well, in some games, I think they will just require SATA. Don't get me wrong, because that's how they'll build the file structure. But they can't send data back and forth. Right. So basically it's now half the bandwidth again. So now you're at what? Like a tenth, like 250 megabytes per second, if you're only because you can only send data in one direction at a time. Which isn't always the case that you need to send it both ways, but it might be for some of these next gen games. And so what? To, so what is that then? Two fifty megabytes, you know. So now we're at what? Like a tenth the bandwidth of even the, you know, yeah, uncompressed know. Xbox before we even get into the PlayStation Five. Like it's just not going to cut it. There's going to be requirements for NVMe drives within a couple of years, guys. Like I just think there will be. And, um, I, I think mean, yeah. just going to re- Sata SSDs will replace hard drives because frankly they're almost as cheap as hard drives. Anyways, by the way.
1: Yeah, and like I I I said earlier, it, NVMe drives aren't that expensive at this point. So it's not that it's not that bad. <laughs> They're often
0: cheaper now than than SATA alternatives. Yeah. Sage of Geeks writes in and he says, "Okay, so we know what geometry engine is. I'm this I'm just reading this is how he worded it. Is in the Xbox. Not saying it is RDNA 3, but it's definitely RDNA 2 cuz geometry engine powerful by DirectX 12 Ultimate." Tom, you need to watch Microsoft GameStack stuff. So I wasn't sure if I wanted to include this reader mail, but I just kind of have to as a PSA. Dude, we literally said the Xbox has better than RDNA 2 and some of its features and multiple broken silicons, at least for gaming purposes. Again, yeah. I I don't, you know, although they plan to use it for a server APU, so it might have all the compute stuff as well. Um Uh, Like, so I'm just going to put this out there. Like, I don't need to watch these GameStack videos because I've been talking to people who have Xbox dev kits for months. Actual people. And so I'm just going to say this, Sage. I'm sorry, ma'am. You're now barred from submitting questions about consoles. (laughs) And the reason I have to is because it's not fair to the other patrons. When I see a thing, I do research and I have to type this up and put it into the script and I could have added another reader mail, which we get tons now instead. And so like the fact that you literally said that I said it wasn't RDNA2 tells me you're not even listening to any of the Xbox parts we talk about. And so it's like you just need, a, you need to take a break, man. You need to take a break from submitting reader mails because it's just not fair to the other supporters. And and and, I, and again, the fact that you say we know it's R D N A too. Well, I'm telling you, it's better. So, no. <laughs> what else, do you want to add anything, Dan? Like, I hate to do this. I almost didn't comment on it, but I just need to put this out there. Like, he's spammed my inbox with emails about Xbox stuff, which I already knew, and like, and and then he just like will like submit reader mails where he insults us. And you guys might be our patron supporters. You're not allowed to insult us in reader mails. You're not allowed to insult us on Discord. The
1: only thing I have to add to it is it, it, I, I, we've never insinuated that. I know. It's not it's ridiculous. RDNA2. Uh, I, we've I really literally never
0: said that. We've said the opposite, which tells you he's not listening to a single thing we say. Yeah,
1: I don't know. That That's all I have. <laughs>
0: So I, this is one of those weird situations where I don't know if I do comment on it, if I don't, because if I don't, it's like I'm ignoring you. But it's like, well, I'm not ignoring you. It's just you're spamming us with stuff we've talked about, and that's unfair to the other patrons. So I don't know. I don't want to spend much more time on it, but let that just be a like a reminder to everyone. Like even if you support us, you're not allowed to insult us, <laughs> and do not. Say, and this is what I say, right, in the Telegrams for desk for guests. Be thoughtful, be insightful, put effort into your question, because as the channel grows, we're going to get more and more reader mails. And if I just see like broken grammar fanboy stuff, I'm just skipping your question, guys. So actually put thought into it so that we can add to the discussion in these episodes. Yeah, I
1: mean, I don't have anything else to say to that about that. I agree with you 100% on that.
0: Well, the records show that Dan's dog has just showed up. So she's trying to get attention again behind Dan. And she just got up when I said dog in the mic. Interesting. She is Although back. <laughs> writes in and he says, what are your thoughts of what Microsoft may still come out with to try to combat PSVR? I feel like they are hiding extra features to help compete. I'm sorry, guys. I laugh when I hear the secret sauce argument for either console. Like, I think we know what's going on like we know what's going on. The only thing we can say is can they use things we already know about right to do yeah. specific things. Like for instance, like the play the well let me actually pull this up. Let me pull this up. So so at the very least the initial version of the Xbox Series X seems to have a slot for an SSD, ethernet of course, mm-hmm. two USB drives on the back, two USB ports on the back, HDMI and then of course a power cable port. Um, So when you say, will it run VR? It's like, well, it's going to have to do it, right? Because remember, the PS4 added VR later without planning to do it. And they had to add this bulky, goofy-looking box that you put next to it, which I assume they will plan ahead with the PS5 now since they know they're doing VR. So my answer is, I don't think there's any secret thing going on. I just think the Xbox is powerful enough to run the VR we have now. And I think they're just going to have to find a way to make it work with some kind of HDMI pass-through box and using one or two of the USB ports in the back. Yeah. Right? So I don't think there's any hidden features. We know what's in the Xbox, guys. This is no secret. Um, (laughs) And we know what's in the PS5. And, you know, so it's like when it comes to things like the PlayStation 3 backwards compatibility, which I still... There's still many rumors that it might be able to get that. It's like, well... It's not going to be some secret thing, I think. I think we know for the most part what's in there. Although I guess it's worth pointing out they haven't shown die shots. So I guess that's worth pointing out is that Sony <laughs> has technically shown less information about their architecture. But like I've I've had a, a dev reach out to me and say that he thinks the what is it? What what's the sound thing they have? Uh whatever that is, they literally went out of their way to say it's organized in the same way as the PS3 cell CPU. And with that in mind, I've had a dev suggest that they could still have something on the die to act as the main core and use that as the uh, secondary core. So I guess that's something to mention, right, for PS3 backwards compatibility. But I don't think there's any point where it's just like, oh, guess what? The PS5, Now, just added this thing. It's like, well, the only thing I've had suggested to me is that they might bump up the amount of compute units from like 52 to 54 and from 36 to 38, only disabling one dual compute unit because yields are so good at TSMC. But outside of stuff like that, I don't think there's really any things you can hide. And to answer your question directly, Jorithius, look, from what I'm told, the geometry engine in the PS5 specifically has things added to handle VR yeah. well and, and and that is a thing like uh, this is something Nvidia has put a lot of effort into the fact that when you render VR you have you know, two screens. And so you're duplicating some of the pixels, and you can do some kind of mesh shading to not need to. Uh, I may be butchering some of the terms, but like <laughs> yeah. when you're rendering the mesh, you may render, not duplicate some of the work. And that there was extra effort put into the geometry engineering, the PS5 for that. So now, could they have, but now I know they have a, a more advanced variable rate shading in the Xbox as well. So I think it can handle VR well, probably. Right. Yeah, it's I just, mean, I don't think there's a secret. It's just, you know, did they put ports in the back to handle it in a way that's not, you know, cumbersome? And and as far as we can tell, they've been very, very dismissive of VR. And if they're dismissive, they're dismissive of it. So, you know, I don't know what their plan is. A lot of people have said they should just support Oculus so you don't need to use theirs. But I don't know. I don't know. What do you think?
1: But I mean, I don't know. It's you look at Sony. I, it's PSVR is definitely a financial success, but it's not like some smash hit. And it's not redefining the way we play games, so I think they can see what Sony has done with PSVR, and they're like, "Yeah, this it, it's a financial success, but it's not something we need to get uh, we need to attach ourselves to as well." So maybe for the most part, they're just going to ignore VR. Maybe they'll figure out some way to get Oculus to work for it, but I, I, I don't. I think they might just not see it as a necessary business decision to add VR. Because not that many people play with VR. Yeah,
0: and I don't remember, I think it was in the Loose Ends where I talked about this, the last Loose Ends. Like, you guys gotta understand, everything they're putting into the dies of these consoles took some die space, which takes some money, which is budget they could use for other things. Like a catastrophic example would be the original Xbox One, wasting die space on ES RAM instead of more compute units and just giving it proper bandwidth. Like, that was a... (laughs) catastrophic mistake for the launch of their console. And moving forward, it's like all of these things take up die space. Like when you have fixed clocks, you can actually save die space, according to what someone told me. And that's why the Xbox Series X is such a small die for how many compute units it has, that the PS5 may actually not be that much smaller of a die size. (laughs) But that's because they put all this effort into its geometry engine, into the on-die audio engine, into presumably what could be a couple of other things we've touched on as well. And so all of these things are there and they take up die Space budget, they take up money and, you know, they have their own visions for what a next-gen console could be, should be, and we're just going to have to see how they pan out. Yeah. All right. Number three is kind of an Xbox information wrap-up. Like, I added, like, all of these things together, like, just to touch on some of the recent Xbox news because there has been so much (laughs) Xbox news recently. So... For instance, it sounds like the Xbox Series S is really coming, and I always knew they were considering going with it. I talked about this in Loose Ends, I believe, uh, and that, and in the 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 tech uh, deals podcast yeah. episode, um, and that now I've had a couple people reach out and say, "Oh no, it's definitely coming." And then we saw die shots, or not die shots, but um, PCB shots, I believe, emerge of it. So it seems like a done deal. And it sounds like they're going to do a first party reveal on July 23rd, and uh, but I have heard that the Series S may be saved for August as a final mic drop announcement. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know what. Uh, I guess let me go into what the Series S is yeah. here because now we have some more information. Right, basically it's targeting 1080p 60 frames versus the Xbox Series Xs. 4K 60 frames, and that they are looking at roughly a third the uh, GPU power, although by my math, it might be more than four teraflops. Like, I think it might be closer to five. We'll just have to see. Um, And that it's 20 compute units. Who knows? Maybe they'll cut it down to, like, 18, Mm -hmm. right? And then run it at 1,800 megahertz uh, or whatever. And then 10 gigabytes of GDR6 RAM, which I've thought about this. 10 gigabytes of GDR6 RAM So to me, that sounds like the same six gigabyte memory segment for the system and then just four gigabytes of VRAM. And so I suspect they're literally just going with the same IO controllers, the same SSD, one terabyte, the same CPU, and just cutting down $60 of RAM and a smaller die, which means a smaller power supply, smaller case, smaller cooling. Uh, I really think based on the math I did that this could cost like 280 bucks to make.
1: What matters here is the price they release at, like depending on the price they pick for this, that it, this would be a smash hit. And I think the idea where they like try to hype up the power of the Xbox series X for the entire time. And then just like three, two or three months before the next Xbox has come out, they just say, Oh, there's also this 250 or like $300 lower uh, SKU that you can get. That would be, that would look really good for them. Um, I'm curious if. Uh, how, well, if and let be... me
0: jump in here, and they sh- and what they will probably do is shrewdly focus on the Series X for months and months and months, and its yeah, performance, yeah. and then they just say, "By the way, here's the Series S, half the price." Everything in it, but the graphics is the same. So everything we said about loading times and about its capability to do AI and its capability to do this, it's all the same, guys, except now it's 1080p because we realize a lot of you don't care about 4K.
1: I mean, yeah, and frankly, if you're looking at it, like the people that are playing PS5s and, um, I mean, PS4s and Xbox Ones, how many of them are actually currently playing this on a 4K monitor or TV? Uh I'm sure there's a percentage of people that are, but it's yeah, it's, uh, still a relatively small market compared to the 1080p market, just because people don't really care that much unless they really, really are into gaming. Um, so this kind of just gives them a segment like, yeah, you're basically just getting an Xbox Series X that plays at 1080p, and you don't care
0: because you already just have a 1080p monitor. Yeah. And when I think about it, I I think it's an interesting idea, but it's really, really, really going to, it's going to all come down to the price, Yeah, right? I've heard some people say it could be $350, and I'm like, well, it's a failure. Let me just cut you off at $350. Uh, I think it needs to be half the price of whatever the Series X is, the same amount of storage. And in fact, I think that Xbox is probably considering two sets of pricing tiers, if I had to guess. They're considering 300 and 500, you know, Series S, Series X. And then they're considering 250 and 500. I think that's what's, I mean, and 400, sorry. And I think if they really want to go for it, They should go for 400 and 250 or even 200, maybe, because again, there's no disk drive. It has a terabyte of storage. And the only way to upgrade storage is to buy their proprietary SSD. (laughs) So I think it's justified to sell it for 200 and just say overnight we are discontinuing the series, uh, the Xbox One X. We're discontinuing the One S. They could even launch it early. That would be the biggest mic drop, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if, that would be. I mean, hell. I, and again, that's how you get real competition. Like, if they just said, Series X will be out in November... This August, go get the Series S. Now we're discontinuing the 1X. In fact, I'm I, Dan's smiling because I think <laughs> me and you are realizing how freaking ballsy of a dis, how crazy that would be if they did that. I'm actually excited. I hope they do. That'd be nuts. Well, uh, <laughs> this would be the most interesting gen ever if that happens, by the way, everybody.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, like you said earlier, it is truly the Xbox Series X, truly is an Xbox. Like, this is you're you are completely locked into their community uh you have to buy games through them you have to buy upgrades through them but if you're getting it for 200 250 dollars that is that that is a deal a lot of people would be willing to make and i don't think it's a stupid deal if it's 350 though i think it's i agree it's a failure it can't be any more than 300 in my opinion
0: no, and I, I really even think two fifty is the sweet spot. Like, really, just targeting that, and and yeah. I think that with game prices going up to seventy dollars for a lot of them, who knows how many? Maybe most of them. We'll see. I think this would make their Xbox Ultimate Game Pass, you know, s- strategy even more tantalizing. Like, and 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 you know, I said twenty dollars. Mostly, I said it could be twenty five, and I really think twenty dollars is the most this. What I'm talking about is this idea of them giving it to you for free if you sign a two-year contract. I honestly think what they should just do is $15, two-year contract. You get like five, six free games a month. Done. We just hand you the console. And if they did that and then they announced it's coming out in August before the PS5 launches, that would be such an aggressive move to capture a massive amount of market share early. It'd be nuts. It really would yeah, be nice. And, and, and I hope they do, because it really doesn't matter who you are, right? This will bring competition to PC game prices. I mean, this will make Sony, I'm sorry, AMD and Nvidia, especially Nvidia, really think twice about overcharging when Microsoft's just giving away a gaming <laughs> console. Like, how much are you going to make that 250 Ti cost when they're just giving away something that's, you know, around the well, probably not as strong as it actually, but nearly as strong. But you yeah, know, that's true. I mean not 250 Ti, I mean 350 Ti from Ampere. Um, you know, and, and so yeah. The last thing I'll close on just for if there are any PlayStation fans listening, which I know there are, like, there are more rumors coming out about the PS5's cost. And there's a rumor the digital could be 350 or 329, and the disc based version 450. Which if they did that, that's four twenty nine. Also- That's also insanely aggressive. (laughs) And again, looking at my, at least my estimate for the build materials, I think it costs about $450 to make for the disk based version. And when they lock you into their digital storefront, even though Sony will let you buy your own upgradable SSDs in the future, that's still a big deal. And so, like, I could see them taking a 20% loss. They've done that with plenty of consoles and having the digital version be $350. And then the the disk version sold at cost for $450. I could honestly see it. And that's why I say if they do 300, Sony would consider just going 350 for the digital version and be like, sure, $50 more triple the performance with instant loading. What are you (laughs) thinking? You know, and that's why it's got to be 250 or even free with a contract, which would be just, again, the idea that they would be able to make that early too is what makes me really excited. Like how crazy it would be if Microsoft was just like (laughs) out in two weeks, Uh (laughs) ah-ah.
1: Oh, yeah, that would be that would be big. I mean, that would force Sony to immediately show
0: its hand too, (laughs) and and stop screwing around. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, everybody, Tom jumping in here with a last minute addition. And by the way, there's going to be more later in the episode. There's just so much news that came out right after we were done recording. I just wanted to point out here that, yes, more information is coming out that Sony will be holding a big event in August right next to Microsoft's plan. Xbox Series S event supposedly it's still mostly a rumor but I just want to add more fuel to this fire that it really sounds like there's going to be a big Xbox first party event in a couple weeks and then that will be followed up in early August by a big Sony event and then another Microsoft event All will be revealed, it sounds like, within a month and a half. And it really sounds like, again, based on other new rumors coming out since we recorded, that both of these consoles are going to be very aggressively priced. And uh, yeah, that's exciting. All right, back to the show. All right, so Matthew Lane writes in and says, When I look at the task manager in a game like Doom Eternal, I see all 32 threads evenly used. The game runs amazingly on even moderate hardware because it's built properly. I'm wondering... How long until game devs generally do it right as they did with Doom Eternal? Games with much higher budgets have horrible performance efficiency half the time. I really hope the new MS Flight Sim will run super smooth like Doom because that's a huge for that kind of game. And You know, I'll add on Battlefield Five; It displaces across like 12 cores pretty evenly on my 3950X and I know it does in your 2700X, right, Dan?
1: Uh, pretty well. Less, I, I think the scheduling for the 3950X is definitely better than what I have, but
0: it's good, yeah. And then, like, also even Mountain Blade Bannerlorn, we were playing a ton a couple months ago, like, that uses multiple cores pretty well, actually, which it needs to when it shows a thousand enemies on screen with AI dynamically <laughs> running.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is a big deal. It's a big deal for why we, why some people are now choosing to buy processors with 32 threads. I mean... Uh, it's inevitable that game devs are going to start using the full power of those processors, and I don't know. I guess it doesn't surprise me that Doom Eternal is one of those. They always seem to be a pretty well sought a pretty uh software oh, yeah. focused company that makes good, well running software,
0: efficient, efficiently running games. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, I, the one thing I will say is there are plenty of games that could be optimized better, but I'm going to be honest, Matthew, more and more in my experience, games are actually being optimized pretty well, and if they're not, they're easy to run. Yeah, uh, that's true. In my experience lately, uh, it, it's certainly way better than it used to be, and I, and I honestly expect this decision to not be that big of a thing, a, not much of a discussion going into next year Although, actually, there is one thing that has scheduling issues. And let me just skip ahead to what I have down here as story number five. Uh, Intel Lakefield tested. It's disappointing. And uh, also, Apple dropped Intel supposedly due to their software issues. So I kind of combined these as two Intel things into one. But let me quote here from the Intel Lakefield test. Links in the description. The laptop hardware gurus over at Notebook Check have gotten their hands on Samsung's Lakefield Power Galaxy. Book S, utilizing Intel's first hybrid processor with Fovro's 3D stacking. As you can see below, SynBench R15's workload is pushed from core to core, keeping the workload off of Lakefield's stronger, sunny-cove CPU core much of the time. This behavior severely limits Lakefield's SynBench R15 performance, as most of the processor's work is being done on the processor's low-power Atom Tremont cores. Could this be mitigated with future... Windows updates? Perhaps, but it's also possible that a single high-performance core is simply not enough to make big little style x86 processors work on PC. Every application would ideally be running on Lakefield's fastest Sunny Cove core, and that level of competition could cause an unnecessary amount of core switching. Having two Sunny Cove cores maybe would allow the application to run on more big cores, something which could limit this unnecessary core happening. Yeah, so... I guess before we touch on the Apple thing, let's just say this is something I touched on in my Alder Lake and Sapphire Rapids leak where one source specifically said, keep in mind, Lakefield is probably going to run like jump the first couple of months it came out. So I was specifically warned about this. At the same time, looking at my Alder Lake information, I see that they have the 8 plus 8, you know, 8 atom cores, 8 golden cove cores, but... There were also a significant, I didn't see, that was it. I didn't see any six plus six, eight plus six, or any four, you know, like four plus six situations. It seemed like there was just that, and everything was an eight or a six core in the lineup. So I'm told there are probably other big little things in the Alder Lake lineup, but that, (laughs) I don't know, that there's a chance it just also might not pan out. I hope it does pan out. I don't know. What do you think about this? Well, I mean, looking at it, it's, it's really bad. Like it, the, it
1: does like the opposite of what it's supposed to do, it seems. So that's not good. I mean, I hope it doesn't spell a bad future for Alder Lake or uh, Intel's hybrid architectures in general, because I, it seems like they're really banking on the big little thing with Alder Lake, at least at their, at their uh, higher end. Line up
0: as a way of scaling with multiple ring buses, right? Because yeah. they can't effectively well, so they've had 12 core ring buses before, but they clearly want to keep it below 10 um per ring bus. And so this is kind of one of their ways of getting around that and being able to make the argument, oh, we have super high IPC, super low latency, but then don't worry, we understand you use more cores now. You know, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. Just remember how badly like Threadripper worked when it first came out. Yeah. And, that's true. I would just say, hey, if this doesn't work at all well, if it's still this bad by December, that is worrisome for Intel's future. Um, Because I do think there is an argument to the more cores. like They do jump around the hardest-to-run apps, usually, between the most powerful cores to not... like, Because I'm sure there's just a ton of heat density on just having one powerful core. So perhaps this was silly for them to not at least give it two Sunny Cove cores. But I don't know. All we know is that, at the very least, This doesn't seem that much better so far (laughs) than the dual-core 4-thread Y processors that they still sell, like Amber Lake. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a shame. Although this is half the die space, so it's like I guess that's worth remembering if it's around the same performance.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's a shame. Hopefully, they're able to fix it through uh, software patches, but uh, we'll see if they are.
0: Safe to say I'm not a morning person. Most days, I try to sleep in as much as possible. Still, sometimes I just need to get up early, whether for a conference call or just simply to get a video done on time. When I do this, great coffee definitely helps, especially when it doesn't skimp on the caffeine and it actually is priced Reasonably, like it is at henma.com, where you can choose between delicious flavors like Highlander grog and chocolate raspberry. And you know what? Unlike most artisanal coffee I've tried, it actually wakes you up and it tastes great. The H E N D M A.com. Use offer code Moore's Law. That's M O O. R-E-S-L-A-W to get 10% off right now your coffee orders. And do make sure you use these guys if you need coffee because coffee is their passion. And right now, this is a side hustle they're trying to grow into a bigger business out of Norman, Oklahoma. They could use your help if you could use a good cup of coffee. For my new benchmarking station, I did use a legitimate key of Windows 10 Professional, and that's because it's just not expensive if you go to CDK Offers. They did sponsor me to say this, but I used their website, and it works well. They have great customer support, and if you use offer code BROKENSILICON, you'll get 25% off Windows software, and Shrink gets you 3% off all software on the website including game codes i will reiterate it was really easy for me to actually set up an account on this website search for windows buy the code using whatever payment method i wanted and they do have several options and then i simply got sent the authentic key and downloaded windows 10 from microsoft's website Save yourself some money to get more bones for your dog, and don't stress yourself out using illegitimate keys. These are real keys, and they did sponsor this part of the video, so one more time, that's CDKOffers.com. Use shrink for 3% off all software on the website, including Steam games, and Broken Silicon for 25% off software. All right, now let's get to the benchmark. Yeah. Well, anyways, Tom's Hardware talks about the Intel Core i9-1050K, the poor man's Core i9-10900K. And this is story number four, jumping backwards. The unannounced processor comes with an identical 10-core, 20-thread configuration as the (laughs) i9-10900K. God, these names. The Core i9-1050-10850K, ah, differentiates itself from the Okay, from the other i9, I'm done saying the names with the lower <laughs> clock speeds. The 10-core processor reportedly arrives with a 3.6 gigahertz base clock instead of 3.7, which is just 100 megahertz lower than the 10900K. The difference in Geekbench 5 submission shows it boosting at 5.18 gigahertz, so pretty close to just calling it 5.2 gigahertz um, so yeah, I don't know. They what I added here in notes is they say Intel refuses to ever adjust their MSRP. And yep, this is they're basically just launching the 10900K probably at like it sounds like 399 to combat the 3900X at that price, but at the same time, I don't think that's cheap enough. I mean, the 3800X gonna be 339 i think this should be 350 like i really like it doesn't have pcie 4.0 it uses more energy i think this should be 350 like
1: i mean yeah i i don't have too much else to add to that i agree it's clearly intel and amd never want to say that their msrp is wrong so they're just well here's our barely weaker one for i don't know what would this be 50 dollars less than I, what's the 10900 Who knows? Again? We don't
0: actually have an MSRP. Okay. I'm just guessing they're going to sell it for 339, 3, 399 Although, who knows? They might just do 449 which is okay, I guess, if you want to. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're going to buy
1: one, I, I guess I would recommend the 10850 probably because they're both unlocked, right, for
0: yeah. overclocking? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I was looking at it, too, I was like, so well, then what's the point of the 909K? I don't <laughs> I don't know, Tom. God dang it, Intel. (laughs) Hey, Tom, jumping in here for an interlude about the 3600 XT, 3700 XT, and 3900 XT reviews that, of course, are out when this podcast comes out. We actually didn't add it to the news story because, well, I had already told you guys in a video from one of my sources what the performance was going to be, which was... Well, yeah, about 100 megahertz better, so I wasn't even planning to cover it, but I thought for completionist's sake, I should cover it briefly in this episode, and so here we go. I mean, when I look at this, it's, if anything, honestly, the information I was sent was uh, optimistic or above average. It really seems like, looking at TechSpot's review here, that the they perform exactly the same as the uh, non-XT versions of these CPUs, and yet now... According to Tom's Hardware's power numbers, they use slightly, slightly more energy. Um, and, yeah, I mean, looking at tech power up too, like, uh, the performance is basically the same. They're just removing the cooler, charging more money, and it, it's interesting. I think TechSpot aptly compares it to the 9900KS review. I would say this is a little better than that, of course, but that's not, not, not that different. I think that's a good comparison. It really seems like the Matisse 2 XT refreshes are far, far less interesting than what the 4700G is going to be later in the month, um, which I'll, we'll cover that later in the episode. And yeah, I really don't have much to say about these. Matisse 2 is, frankly, a waste of your time. It is, you know, AMD just refreshing things to, as I said in my video, I think I hit the nail on the head. I really think what AMD is doing is just forcing websites to re-review Zen 2 right after Comet Lake came out to remind everyone how stupid Comet Lake is. And that's all they're doing. A little bit of milking at the end of this generation before Zen 3 comes out, and just making everyone refresh their benchmark numbers so they have the latest when Comet Lake is being looked for. All right, back to the show. (laughs) QH Freddy writes him, and he says, last few months, I feel like we have, particularly on the GPU side, been caught up on a lot of what's going to happen in the next half year in the high-end GPU space. But do you have any indications or changes of the longer-term outlook, or has that been relatively silent? Well, the answer is yes, I do. But uh, I don't see a point in rushing out things that are two years away, especially because how much of that changes. I mean, look at the Zen 3 leak I did where it turned out there were, I think, two design teams and the SMT design, SMT4 design, SMT design team lost. Yeah. Um, and at the very least, I mean, I, I'm doing a Z video. That's something I'm working on. So I'm excited to get that'll probably be my next big leak video, hopefully within a week. Uh, that I can get that out. When it comes to NVIDIA and AMD, I'll just say that it sounds like there will be big efficiency and geometry enhancements in RDNA 3, and Hopper looks like it might go to a multi-GPU design. Outside of that, I don't have much to add. I've also heard Hopper will come at the end of 2020, 21 potentially but i guess we'll just have to see that'd be a quick follow-up after ampere if they did yeah especially after relative to the others i guess especially after uh ampere for i not ampere turing for two years (laughs) yeah Dragon Eddie writes in and he says, is it just me or is Intel still trying to get attention via false shady comparisons? Well, of course they are. I mean, we, people will keep saying, what do you think about Intel's new shady tactics? And I'm like, nothing. This is what they're doing 24-7, guys. Like, I can't do a video every time I see them doing something or every time, what is it, something, Shroud, Ryan Shroud, or whatever, just yeah. tweets some insanely dumb thing. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't, you know, he says like the industrial cooled 5 gigahertz 28 core. That said, AMD also put Misinformation out on theirs. Eh, I don't know. Again, guys, like I think you got to understand. There's a lot of marketing speak. It's like it's when you see things like the five gigahertz twenty eight core that that was truly ridiculous. Although they were paying for that, so it's like it, I think it backfired on them. Honestly,
1: yeah. And it's just for a, a lot of the other stuff. It's like are you are you asking them to not portray their stuff in a, 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 the most positive light they can? Like with that twenty eight core where they were basically just (laughs) lying i mean that's different they had a
0: 1000 watt refrigerator
1: (laughs) that's awesome Uh, i know but uh i mean and i think you always have to expect when you're when you're hearing the information from the person who's trying to sell it to you you have to understand they're trying to show it to you in a positive light not in an honest light so you do need to cut through some of the bullshit
0: yeah all right, story number six. Intel confirms Alder Lake S is going to require LGA seventeen hundred, and this is something I confirmed last year. I believe <laughs> oh, I think actually in January I technically confirmed that in my first Alder Lake uh, leak video. It says the leak actually comes from Intel, so it should be rather considered news but their development resource website which is not made public for obvious reasons can still be used to browse password protected documents from time to time one of such websites lists new information on the alder lake series the name and socket are now officially confirmed so we can say it's alder lake we can say it's lga 1700 uh and this is on the official website the first confirmation directly from intel on this information i guess the one thing i would add is they're getting pretty close to uh what is it? Uh, HEDT yeah. socket sizes. Because what is HEDT at right now? If you remember, like that uh, twenty sixty six for Intel, I believe. Okay, so still, still significant. Well, for the pins, smaller but... HEDT, they also have that twenty eight core one. Remember, yeah, that's yeah, like almost four thousand or something.
1: Um, I mean, I don't know how much else I have to add to this. I. It's nice to see that we can finally just say for sure we know it's all Lake like, and we know it's LGA seventeen hundred. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, that tells you, what, what What I like seeing when I see stuff like this is simply knowing, okay, so that other set of information I had yeah. that said this too, guys, is probably all correct.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it gives you indication that what you've been talking about, well, and everyone has been talking about, is is
0: pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. Dermish writes in, he says, do you think gamers and tubers are going to be ready from a cultural point of view for the shift to shorter product cycles? 1600 AF, then all of a sudden the XT refreshes? I mean, we're already forgetting about the 1600 AF, actually. It's a good point. <laughs> the super lineup, the best in any price range, could be changing a couple times every year. I actually really love this question, Dermish. I appreciate this because it is an interesting question that so many people that speculate on rumors right there's a difference right sometimes i'm speculating on what other people say and there's sometimes where i just have my own information i'm sure of right like the all my intel stuff frankly i'm the most sure of um and i think what makes someone you know things are moving targets and this is a new world we live in and there's some There's some tech tubers I've seen come to some pretty ridiculous conclusions because they didn't understand how much faster things are moving. Like again, I won't name names, but there were a couple of tech channels in 2018 that said there's no way in hell the next gen consoles will be around a 2080 or 2080 Ti and have an SSD. (laughs) And they're just wildly wrong. And the people like me and others and a few others that said that's absolutely going to happen are proven right. And it's People are having a hard time coming to terms after like five years of stagnation, in many ways in the GPU space, not just the CPU, that things are changing again. And that, like you would see people say, wait, so there is a Matisse 2. So we're going to get refreshed clock speeds on Zen 2. Oh, that must mean Zen 3 is delayed. Nope, that is not what that means. You know, the 1600 AF, I made the mistake of thinking the 1600 AF, and the 1200 AF's launch, meant that they won't launch a quad core, Zen yeah, too. Yeah, we did. I made I made that mistake. Wrong. They're just happy to make both, so they can diversify their lineup because it costs them nothing to keep selling both of them from different suppliers. You know, and so that's something we all have to come to terms with. And uh, yeah, I don't know, Dan. What do you What do you think about this?
1: Well, I mean, I think it for people that are smart. I think it'll take it takes a couple getting it wrong a couple times to adjust your, your view, but it, it, like with the 1600 AF, like you just said, and the people with a uh, Matisse two saying that means Zen three is delayed. Well, no, it's not. So adjust your thinking. And from a cultural <laughs> standpoint, once you've adjusted your thinking, it shouldn't be that hard to keep up with what's
0: going on anymore. Yeah. So let me move on. This is kind of a AMD information wrap up. Uh, it's I titled story number seven, Igor's lab, and then I put in quotation marks, exclusively confirms that Moore's law is dead already reported. Just like his ampere leaks, by the way. Um, I, but whatever. I, I I don't pretend that he probably saw my stuff. Yeah. But yeah, he basically confirmed everything I did in that Van Gogh and Saison pincer attack video where I said, you know, explaining why Van Gogh could be, you know, Zen three and RDNA2, but then why would they... Or Zen 2, should I say, I believe it was. Zen 2 and RDNA2, and then you have, say, Zombie Zen 3 and Vega. It's like, why would they do that? Why would they still use Vega? Why would they still use... You know, Zen 2, it's like, well, they take up different amounts of die space, and it takes design costs. Like, like, these are complex SoCs. Like, this is something Intel's starting to get good at making as well. But you still have these really powerful combinations of different products from AMD's, you know, product stack. And putting Zen 3 with a Vega 8CU, okay, so we don't need to redesign half of this chip then? Or like a third of the chip, and that makes it much easier. And if Cezanne is truly meant to be a Renoir replacement, which is to say their budget chip, mm-hmm. well, they want a powerful high IPC eight core. And then the graphics don't really matter. The graphics are only really going to be used in cut-down versions and budget laptops. So just eight Vega CUs is fine. Doesn't matter. And Van Gogh, you know, why would they go with a bunch with RDNA2? Maybe with more CUs. Again, I wonder if Van Gogh is like a pared-down version of what's in the Xbox Series S. That's what I've always suspected. Um, You know, that one makes sense to just use Zen 2 because that doesn't take up a lot of die space. It's not going to get a discrete GPU. And so I got news for you guys. It's around as strong as a 2700X. That's more than powerful enough for like a 12 to 24 CU RDNA 2 chip. They don't need to use the extra die space on the cache and the Zen 3 enhancements. Like That's a powerful enough CPU.
1: And what we're all talking about on this channel, uh, we're not crazy. We're getting (laughs)
0: confirmation closer and closer. Right. Yeah. I I named this video sampling AMD and NVIDIA, and it's because it feels (laughs) like all of these stories are ES sample stories. Yeah, that's true. Like, or so many of them are, whether it's Xbox, whether it's... um, You know, whether it's all of these, whether it's confirming Alder, like whether it's all this other, you know, like, I don't know, dozen of AMD (laughs) APUs coming out. You know, it seems like there's sample, we're sampling the future here, people. And and I mean, on that note, I also added at the last minute that Milan leak. So just to say again, like with Matisse 2, oh, does that mean that Zen 3 is delayed? Well, here it is, guys. We now have a finally a Zen 3 engineering sample showing up. Although I will note it is a server chip. So who knows if they will necessarily get desktop desktop out on time this year. Although I believe AMD already confirmed that they do. So, you know, yeah. it, it, I would say that it sounds like though Milan comes out first, probably end of quarter three, and then they're probably going to do an end of year uh, Zen 3 consumer launch. Although again, you know, Matisse 2 comes out in July, like five months later. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if Zen 3 just comes out, in like Q1. you know, in, and no, I, I was going to go the other way in October oh. or November, and they they just bumped down the price of Matisse too, similar to what they did with the 2700X. I mean, if it's ready, I don't see why they wouldn't, but... Well, they don't need to, is the thing I would say. And I would say doing a full... I talked to someone on YouTube, in the YouTube comments about this. I agree to them. It's like, I kind of would rather they just do a late December launch, but you know, maybe maybe not late December, maybe early December launch, so that it's just in time to get under your Christmas tree. And oh, yeah. instead, instead of launching two months early with a staggered launch, can you just make sure the drivers are perfect and do a, pro, a full product stack launch at the same time? I think that would be preferable at this point. I think it's time for AMD to start getting their software for their motherboards up to the same level as Intel, um, which is now all over the place, but at least in my experience, has been rock solid. Because that's what you need to start focusing on. You don't need to rush out these products anymore. I think you just need to make them more consistent in their performance. Well,
1: yeah, it's pretty clear that I think for a long time, uh, AMD was probably just releasing products as they were ready to come out and not necessarily doing the smartest releases where they were like, "Uh, for CPUs and GPUs, just, okay, so here's our mid-range, here's our high-end, here's our low-end. We're just release some things as we can do it but I'm betting AMD has a lot more money now than they used to so they can they're not
0: operating on a shoe spring budget and they're not rushed right they had to get Zen one out yes, (laughs) as soon as bloody possible guys you know and and so yeah I mean it makes sense anyways uh, let's move on to story number eight AMD Ryzen 4700GE 8-core APU benchmarked. This comes from video cards. The APU was tested with high-frequency DDR4-4333 memory, which is a significant upgrade for the desktop <laughs> APU Ryzen series. We are unsure how much different it is from the final product, but by the clocks, it is paired with a reasonable base speed of 4.1 gigahertz and boost of 4.35. Uh, that's probably final clocks. The Infinity Fabric Link clock speed, uh, FCLK, was maintained at 2166 megahertz, which mine is at 1900, and that's like the fastest you can ever get them, by the way. So this is big. But Tech Lab reports that Renoir's APU can maintain FCLK around 2200 megahertz. It achieves a 49.1 nanosecond latency with the hardware configuration mentioned below, and it even dropped down to 47.6 when it was overclocked to 4.4 gigahertz, and the platform changed to a Crossair Impact 8. Oh, I think that's mine. <laughs> it's my motherboard. <laughs> Such latency is even lower than the Ryzen Matisse series, which sees 60 to 70 nanoseconds. So not half the latency, but my God, man, there it is. That's why Renoir can have one-fourth the, the L3 cache because its latency is so much faster. I got to say, if this has, you're starting to see it. I've seen other people look at other leaks coming out about Renoir now, and they're saying, yeah, it's basically, it edges out a 3800X. So this goes into my 4700G video where I said they're going to call it a 4700G because they believe it's better than the 3800X and this might be their $300 8-core CPU replacing a 4700X.
1: Yeah, I mean that that the FCLK clock that's been one of the biggest um limiting factors to uh to the Zen in certain applications
0: it's like the it's like the last thing left that Zen 3 supposedly fixes
1: so yeah if it's Zen 3 and if this is an indication to what Zen 3 is which i'm guessing it, it would be uh that's a big deal that's what that's 20% higher clocks uh for the fabric
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i think you could seriously see overclocked 4700g's be the ultimate gaming cpu and and I think that's, I don't here's the weird thing is if, are they launching this now? Because it sounded like they were going to launch this around the Matisse refresh. And if you can't overclock Matisse to 2200 megahertz uh, FCLK, then like, I don't know what they price this at. Because you would almost <laughs> argue it's better than the 3800 XT. And then it comes with a good, gra- a decent graphics card that can run any game. At that point, though, you wonder, though, there are rumors it might not have PCIe 4.0, which if it doesn't, then it's like, okay, well, I guess it's just this weird product. But Hey, Tom here jumping in with yet another interlude about the 4700G. Or should I say, also the 4750G, 4650G, there's new leaks coming out with changes in the names of Renoir, and that's not really important, like I say, don't worry about the name. What's important to note here is it seems like these things can overclock above even Matisse to all cores. One overclocker is claiming he's gotten it on, you know reasonable cooling to about 4.7 gigahertz and FCLK clocks above 2.1 gigahertz. When I hear that, I go, well, look, there's just going to be plenty of games where this outperforms even a 3,800 XT. And then you look at the LN2 performance and it just blows past Matisse 2 all core, and it looks like you can get a single core to about four point eight gigahertz. So this is odd. I, I look at speculated pricing of around three hundred dollars, like I said in the podcast actually, and I go, well, I don't know if they're planning to sell the three thousand eight hundred XT for four hundred or even more than three hundred. I don't know how this can be the same price because, and this is another link I'm adding in this interlude, supposedly Renoir. Right, which was a big question I had, is coming out in July as well. They seem to be confirming this in other leaks, so... Again, you know, if Renoir was coming out better than the 3800 XT, but it was launching in a few months, maybe after the prices come down, as truly part of the 4000 series generation, you know, a 4700G instead of a 4700X, like this is just AMD's $300 APU, and they're just going to have a 4800X above it, there's not going to be two 8 cores in the generation this time from the same Zen 3 architecture, it would make sense, but... I don't know, I just see this as cannibalizing their sales, unless, unexpectedly, it underperforms the 3800 XT, which it could, but I don't know, this monolithic die, overclocking monolithic dies, usually gets you much more linear performance increases than you saw with the chiplet design, or should I say multi-die, multi-CCD design that we saw with Zen 2, so... Yeah, I'm not really sure what else to say besides that. This sounds as good as the 3800 XT, except it comes with good graphics. The only thing that would, in my opinion, make them charge less is if it truly just has PCIe 3.0, especially with reduced lanes. But we'll just have to find out. Wanted to add that here. Let's get back to the show.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I think we've brought uh, that's been brought up before is if they don't play this correctly, it could kind of lead to um, lead to AMD's products cannibalizing each other. But if this really is just meant for someone, no, I'm not going to put this in a, I'm not going to put a graphics card in this ever. This is just for like low end gaming or I don't know, maybe even like some multimedia machine or or something like that.
0: Like that's what this is for. Uh, Yeah. Then I think they avoid that for the most part. Yeah, what I could see them doing is just they make it $300 and then they put no 47... And I've said this in my video. They might just not have a 4,700X. They might just have a 4,800X. And they're like, that's the eight-core model. And then that one's $400 and it's Zen 3. And then for 30% less, you get something that has some of the IPC enhancement. Zen 3 has really low latency and it comes with a graphics card. And they sell that for 300 And then maybe they will still just have the six-core, you know. Zen 3 4600X for 250 and they're like yep it's $50 cheaper it's slightly worse CPU performance but it doesn't come with a graphics card that's why that one costs more and uh, I mean they would argue well you know what the 3700X launched at 329 this is 300 and it comes with a graphics card you cannot argue our price performance isn't getting better and so <laughs> and then there's yeah. the 3500G which is supposedly the 6 core model with 6 compute units that will probably be Probably be the i5 killer for 180. Wait, did you did you say 3500G or did you mean to say? I 40? think that's what they're. No, I think they're going to call it 3500.
1: Okay, that's weird, but okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I guess you could argue the 2500X is a six core without hyper threading, so they're just adding hyper threading now. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. All right, story number nine. Uh, anyways, AMD Navi 31, even bigger Navi. And this comes from video cards. I quote, Apple introduced the new Mac OS during the WWDC conference earlier this week. This is the first OS to support Apple's own ARM-based silicon. Hardware Leaks Today reported that the Mac OS 11 GPU drivers already contain references to a Navi 31, which basically confirms that Apple and AMD will collaborate to deliver high-end graphics to Mac OS. Users. This is not the first time we are hearing of Navi Thirty One last year. Kamachi, which he has so far been pretty reliable, in my opinion. By the way, yeah. references to such a chip. He also found many more codenames connected to gaming consoles. Saison AMD's upcoming CPU, APU series are expected to feature Zen 3 core architecture, and it was even references Cezanne Renoir, which could suggest it is a direct replacement and shares more components than we expected. Yeah, it might just be there bolting Zen 3 and PCIe 4.0 into Renoir. Hmm. Uh, what the new leak suggests is that Big Sur OS does indeed have early references and possible f- support for the new APUs. And let me point out, we just... Recently recorded the die shrink for Vega, where we remembered, and that will come out in a week or so uh, after this uh, to patrons, um, that there were references to 7 nanometer Vega before 14 nanometer Vega came out. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, yes, there's not much to say except that, yep, this is already, I don't think this is bigger Navi. It might be bigger than this big Navi. (laughs) But I think this is RDNA 3, and it's already showing they're long into their development of that, and that should follow up like I've been told and heard from other people, into 2021, they'll already have their RDNA 3 enhancement coming out, hopefully with that giant L4 cache we've been talking about.
1: <laughs> I, I really hope to see that, that uh, idea come to fruition, because that would be really cool. But yeah, I mean, I don't know Uh, everything. uh, These companies are all working on these things in parallel. I mean, so, you know, Navi 31 has to be being worked on right now or whatever they call Navi 31. But it it also does mean uh, they're going to be making a lot of cash, uh, making more deals with Apple, which they still currently have contracts with Apple, right?
0: Oh yeah, tons of them, and uh, even if they—and again, that's something I've said. Like you know, even if they make—even for their het HEDT lineup—if they go with some you know forty-eight core Apple mm-hmm. CPU, Apple designed ARM processor, they'll still probably use CDNA and RDNA two graphics cards.
1: Yeah, they're not going to be making graphics cards anytime soon. So, <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I mean, they are in their phones and stuff. They're just nowhere near the same caliber. It's going to be a while. Um, Wouldn't that be crazy, though, if Apple got into the GPU space and they actually started selling them with Windows drivers on Newegg? How funny would it be if that was the first one to enter the space after Intel? I mean, I'll believe anything is happening at this point. So (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, things are getting pretty crazy. All right, story number 10. RTX 3080 Ti in 8 nanometer rumors pop up again. And NVIDIA sued. So again, like so many stories in this episode, this is a, a roundup of information going on right now. And this is the Ampere roundup. Um, I mean, just to summarize, I put in I put in the normal notes. You guys don't know what our notes look like, but I put in the notes section before our own comments section. You know, there is number one, multiple reports of Ampere being on 8 nanometer. Number two, multiple reports of 3080 Ti still being a name, a nomenclature they're using. Um, cur- I'm, I'm still curious if that means the 3090 is going to be used instead of the Titan, though, by the way. And then, of course, NVIDIA is being sued about lying about where their sales were coming from during the mining boom. Of course, half of their sales were mining firms <laughs> back in twenty late 2018. Uh, well, I guess all 2018, really. Yeah. Um out of all of the Ampere stuff coming out, is like, was there anything you want to comment on, or any thoughts you have?
1: No, not too much, really. I, I I don't feel like um there will be that much worth to comment on at this point forward until we really just see what what it
0: is. In my opinion, I don't know what you think. Maybe I maybe I'm wrong, but no, no, I think we're in the same boat. I mean, like you know, I see a lot of tech tubers having you know video after video come out about ampere and it's like, you know. And I've intentionally made it a more low-key week for for our channel uh recently with, you know, just doing a loose ends and then a monitor review, which the monitor review actually takes more time than a lot of my other re- videos actually. But I like I needed to change it up cuz I can't just do leak videos. I can't just do analysis videos every week. I'll burn myself out. You know, sometimes I just got to sit down and like look at a device and review a monitor. It's more fun for me to talk about something different. And and that's because I really don't have much to add. I mean, I'm sure I could get more clicks um, if I just pumped out Ampere spam, but I don't have anything to add. I have my own information. I'm confident my sources were legitimate no matter what happens at this point. Like I'm confident. You know, I'm sure what I was telling you guys, you know, what was it? GA-102, at least 18 gigabit per second memory, boosting above 2.3 gigahertz, um, at least 2.1 at least. No, I said at least 1.9 gigahertz. Some samples going above 2.3. And, you know, increased power usage, heavy cooling, the early engineering samples having three fans on them even. You know, all that's lined up with what we have now. So all Mm -hmm. this other stuff, Like I've said from the beginning, I don't know for sure it's 7 nanometer. One of my sources, who I won't say what his job is because I don't want to, right? But who isn't one of the ones who has one in his hands, but is connected to the information. Me and him agreed that this was probably 7 nanometer. uh, Maybe even EUV by the clock speeds we were seeing. Having said that, that doesn't mean it is. And we were assuming 250, 300 watts. Now we Mm -hmm. see reports of 350 watts. I don't know. My thoughts are maybe it is all on 8 nanometers still. We know at least a lot of the lineup will be, which I've said from the beginning. And maybe they're just hitting 2.5 gigahertz because they're overclocking the living shit out of Samsung's node. Um, And maybe there's multiple samples. See, because if you guys will remember, I had three ampere sets of information. The second one had a faster sample. Mm-hmm. I would not rule out one of them was an eight nanometer sample and one of them was a seven.
1: So uh, the one thing I would say to that is: is there a, that something maybe that I'm forgetting? I mean, obviously they've released the same schematic on different nodes multiple times, like AMD has done it. But do you think mm-hmm. it would make sense for them to be launching GA102 uh, onto uh, onto two different nodes in a pretty yeah. similar timeframe?
0: From two different companies? So there's a new rumor. There's a few rumors that have been coming out recently that they will have a Titan, but it's been delayed to quarter one. Okay. And when I hear that, I go, hmm, I don't know. You know, it almost makes me wonder if the 3080 Ti and the 3080 are on eight nanometer. Those are your 1.9 to 2.1 gigahertz, 2.2 gigahertz, maybe samples. Mm-hmm. Boosting. Keep in mind, guys, even when they show boost clocks, it's going to boost above that. That's how NVIDIA's <laughs> algorithm works. Yeah. So boosting to those levels and then they launch the 3090 basically as a paper launch and then launch a Titan later. And then the 3090 and the Titan are both on 7 nanometer EUV or something. Or or just mm-hmm. 7 nanometer. I don't know. Well, that might yeah, as well maybe. be EUV. I don't know. And like <laughs> what, what the difference... Be, and so like what if we learn the difference between a 3090... And a 3080 Ti, one's 12 gigabytes, one's 24 gigabytes. One boost to 2.2 gigahertz, one boost to 2.5 gigahertz. One would be 30% better to have double the RAM. Like one has GDR6, one has GDR6X or whatever ridiculous. Again, one sample I saw had 21 gigabit per second memory, which again, my source (laughs) directly said, I don't know if this is GDR6X, but I know that's the speed it's running at. (laughs) You know, so... Hey, Tom here jumping in with what I believe will be the final interlude to this episode, an episode that's coming out around tons of other information. Um, I just wanted to throw in this other little leaks coming out about Ampere. Number one, that GA-104 will supposedly use the 3070 Ti and 3070, which is interesting because I speculated there would be a 3070 for the top die of GA-104 or should I say the uncut die for GA-104, and then a 3060 Super or 3060 Ti for a cut-down version. Yeah, but, you know, 3070 Ti and 3070 makes sense as well, and it makes sense they would use GDR6 for the very top version of this, again, making it, I believe, exceed the 2080 Super in rasterization performance, um, especially when you consider something else he put out today suggesting 2.2 gigahertz clock speeds for... Ampere models. Again, I, I got to say, that's what I said two months ago. And I guess one thing I have to just point out is I really do see just a mix of Samsung 8 nanometer and TSMC 7 nanometer, along with a mix of GDR6X and GDR6 usage with a lot of these different models here and the Ampere lineup. And the only thing that really makes me go, maybe it is just only Samsung 8 nanometers still, is the fact that we're seeing these massive coolers, which I've reported on from the start of my Ampere news, and... Uh, really high TDPs. That suggests that Ampere may be on 8 nanometer, but push super hard. But I don't know. I still think that some of these have to be on 7 nanometer. Some of their top dies have to be using 7 nanometer. E- even if they just put 102 on, a version of GA-102 on 8 nanometer and a version of GA-102 on TSMC for like the 3090 and Titan. I really feel like NVIDIA isn't, unless they're just completely screwed, silly enough to only use Samsung. Uh, the final thing I will say about this, you know, besides just one more time saying all this scattered info coming out, I don't plan on doing any videos unless I get my own information because some of this is going to turn out to be incorrect, so I should just stick to my guns, but I don't know, speaking of sticking to my guns, I like this chart Video Cards puts together, and the link's in the description for their 3070TI article. If you go to Video Cards, it's one of the top, you know, uh, articles coming out on July 7th they they kind of show rumors over time which is a good idea but what's i i just got to say it like why are my leaks not on here i mean video cards shows igor's lab leak on june 9th which talks about gdr6x i leaked that 2 days earlier and i i this isn't i have no script for this i'm just throwing this in the episode cuz i feel like i have to guys like this is this is my job now this is how i pay the bills and It's hard to not feel disillusioned and defeated when something I'm putting so much effort into, something I'm seeming to get correct, gets no credit. And it's this is just an egregious omission. Like I don't know why some websites, some people on Twitter get to call their stuff exclusive. But when I come out with stuff first, stuff that seemingly is proven correct later, I just don't get credit. I'm just not allowed to get the credit. And so yeah I'm not gonna like jump on Twitter and yell at people because frankly that's just that's 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 not gonna even help myself to do that but it's also I think very it's wrong to assume people are intentionally doing this but it's hard for me to not believe that I am being intentionally omitted and so like I said in my big 30-minute Ampere video to the fans that listen to this it's up to you guys to like get out there and say hey why is this being said? The, you know, why is this leak here? Why are you, why are you WCCF tech? Why are you video cards claiming this is the first rumor we've seen of this when Tom reported on it two bloody months ago? You know, because you can support the Patreon and that's, that's literally helping me pay the bills, but, but this channel still needs to grow to be sustainable. Not for me, really, but to pay the audio engineer who edited this episode and to pay Dan, to pay hopefully other editors as well. You know, if you want this to grow, it's got to be able to get the recognition that will allow it to grow. And when I see this, I just get, I, it just feels like the wind is knocked out of me. Like someone punched me in the gut and I lose all of my energy and drive to work for the rest of the day. Because it's like, what's the point? What's the point if it amounts to nothing and someone who puts out the exact same stuff I did days later, later is given more credit? I don't know. I'm not trying to come off as bitter. I just have to say it. So if you're fans... You know, this channel won't grow unless, you know, you guys help it. Um, but yeah, thanks to all those listening. Let's get back to the show. It's like, I don't have much to add to this, except that it wouldn't surprise me if all of these things are coming. And the one thing I will say is if the 38 ETIs is on 8 nanometer, NVIDIA is in trouble, though. Because that clearly means something fell through with being able to make a lot of their lineup on 7. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I, I mean... Once it- once again, they I could just lose. Think, I don't know. We'll see how good our uh, two is. I mean, yeah, maybe.
1: Um, I, I don't think I have too much else to add to that, other than if it's two point one gigahertz and it's hitting something like three fifty or four hundred, God forbid, four hundred watts. Uh, that would just be a repeat. <laughs> that <laughs> that would be a, a, a repeat of the four eighty, uh, the GTX four eighty. Uh, yeah, it would, that, it would be very funny. Though.
0: Yeah, it'd be very funny if that's what ended up happening if RDNA2 comes out and it is super powerful uses like well I the rumors are top RDNA2 is going to use a ton of energy too though so it's really not comparable. But <laughs> you know, but and then Nvidia comes out with super high clocked, super power hungry things as well and I don't I don't know though. Again, again about the whole power usage thing, I'll say I don't think it really matters that much. I mean, Like, if you were to, like, I I overclock my graphics cards. If you were to tell me this graphics card uses 350 watts, all I would say is, is it going to cool itself? Okay. It will. I don't care. Like, I I don't really care. And that means like the 3080 uses 300 watts. I don't think anyone would care. If the 3070 is a 200 watt card, 250 watt card, I don't think anyone would care.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's for most people, it matters. It doesn't matter until it matters. I mean, power supplies are pretty, damn strong now for not that much money. So, I think pretty much And again, much most would... people
0: don't get the top cards. That's what I emphasize. Like like yeah, so that's yeah, let, like let's say top let's say AMD actually goes insane and has a 400 watt liquid cooled card. They <laughs> I mean, they made a 500 watt card before, so let's say they go to 400 watts. Yeah, that's so they can take the performance crown and make Nvidia look stupid. Their cut down version will probably use 3 50 watts, and then they'll have a normal like 2080 Ti killer, probably for $600, $700, and that one will be like, you know, whatever it is, or 550 whatever it ends up being for like the 6800 yeah. XT with GDR6. That will probably just end up being a 250-watt card, and who cares then? Yeah. Rob Fisher writes in, and he says, now that we have seen the new NVIDIA cooler design and a supposed leak of an aftermarket 3080 Ti, what are the considerations in choosing between a Founders Edition or whatever it will be called this time and a card from a third party. I am somewhat impatient. Have more money than sense to be fair, but I also don't want to end up with too much buyer's remorse if I get an Nvidia card only to find out it's slower and hotter than an MSI one. Well, you know, yeah, I think a lot of here's what I'm going to I'm going to put it from an AMD perspective. So, AMD needs to stop using blower coolers in their reference design. Having said that, the Delta fans on the Vega coolers don't break. They've been running, as I've covered in other videos for years, and other, I'm sorry, other podcasts for years. And I've had several power color red devils that were like triple fan Vega 56s that I use for mining. And one out of those three fans broke within a few months, like half a year of mining. I've never had a blower fan break that's from AMD. And so I would say when NVIDIA sells their cards, they probably make sure that fan never breaks. And that's probably what AMD does as well. And that when you look at a lot of these third-party cards that cool better, supposedly, oftentimes they're also um, way bigger, you know, and feel cheaper. And yeah. I hold a reference NVIDIA or AMD card. Say what you will about its ability to cool, but it feels like a solid piece of, t- you know, tech there. It feels real solid, heavy. And a lot of those even heavy, big, bulky cards, they kind of flex a little bit. The fan feels a little shaky. You know what I mean?
1: Well, and I'll say, um, I guess it's been a while since I've handled a non-reference card, but uh, it's. I think that issue is is getting better. Like I remember, like when I was on, Fe- like I had a Fermi card, it felt like I was holding a kid's toy when I was holding the graphics card, almost. Or yeah, yeah even to an extent like the seven nine fifty. I think like the addition of back plates are pretty much standard now is nice. Uh, so it doesn't flex around as much. But yeah, I mean, as to the question of whether you should get a founder's edition, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel I, like I NVIDIA is, on,
0: is less likely to, well, I don't know. Their, their cooler looks really impressive. So they might charge more because it's legitimately an impressive cooler. I I don't have much to say, you know. When it comes to buyer's remorse, it's just like, how long is it going to take for those AIB cards to come out? They always take a while. And NVIDIA's reference coolers have been pretty decent, in my opinion. I mean, people give the Founders Edition crap for for Turing because it's impossible to repair. I mean, (laughs) Gamers (laughs) Nexus did a good... Breakdown, where he's like, "This is a nightmare." If you wanted to take this apart, but yeah, it's because they don't want you to take it apart. They they don't plan on it ever breaking. And when I, like I said, my power color one, man, those fans break. They do. Yeah. And my <laughs> sapphire ones, they broke eventually. I've never had a reference cooler break, and I still got a Vegas sixty four running twenty four seven in the other room, and it just it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> that delta fan is probably never going to break. Yeah. So it's just up to you. I think what you got to decide is: Do you need to buy something now, and are you willing to pay the price? It doesn't matter if it's a founders edition or not. Is the twenty eighty Ti worth twelve hundred dollars to you, for example? Then you buy the founders edition. I say, or you, or if there's a new triple fan out when you're shopping, then you get that. If there wasn't when you were shopping, well, it doesn't seem like it matters because you had to buy a <laughs> card now, you know. Indeed. And then, and if if you think it's only worth a thousand, then wait for the one thousand dollar coolers.
1: Yeah, and I guess the last thing I, I have to say about it is I, I do think there is just an overall problem in the industry where if you're one of the early adopters, you a lot of people inevitably mm-hmm. feel burned because just better things come out later. Now, it's true. Those better things, quote unquote, are oftentimes less robust. But when you get them, you feel you feel burned because oftentimes there's more driver issues. It doesn't cool yeah. as well. So I don't know. I think something with the industry needs to change. And that needs to be if you're charging more for your reference design, it needs uh, to be
0: better. Yeah, which I think Nvidia is trying to do, by the way. Yeah,
1: come proving why this is worth two hundred dollars more or whatever, however more, much more it costs.
0: Yeah, which I yeah, and again, you know, and if I think about like when I like my thirty nine fifty X, I paid like. I don't know, right? Like $750, but there was like a shipping fee. Like, let's say after taxes, it was like $800 or something or $820 or something. I don't remember. And yeah, now you can get them for like $600 or $650. I honestly don't remember. I don't feel burned at all. You know, when I built my PC, it was right before Christmas. And it was like, this is when I'm taking two weeks off from work. Mm -hmm. And this is my time to build a new top to bottom IT, you know, compact build that's going to take a lot of effort to fit everything together this is my time and this is what i'm building i could have bought something sooner but i waited for when it's right for me to build and because i did some things were a lot cheaper my ssd is frankly the ssd i got the gen 4 ssd i got from sabrent is like 50 70 more than when i got it right now actually (laughs) so it you know it kind of evens out sometimes and Just, just you don't need to buy it unless you need to buy it. And you just got to accept that. As we've covered earlier in this podcast, this is a new cultural thing. Stuff's getting better now. And you just got to accept it. It's not like before where you picked, oh, my I-7 lasted for five years and it barely lost to the top. Uh, That's over. That's not how things work. We're back to the good old days of (laughs) innovation every six months, I think. Yeah, I
1: mean, that's true. and. On one hand, that's good, but it it also makes like uh your it, it makes uh, your purchase always a little bit more unsure whenever you're buying something.
0: Yeah, so, so there's a just comfort. Just put more in thought st- into it then, right? Yeah.
1: There's a comfort in stagnation because you don't really need to think about it. It's just like, well, things are. Which aren't is what the server better.
0: engineer talked about, right? Like is how oh, yeah it became so easy for the server purchasers to become happy with stagnation because it became so easy to do their job. (laughs) But uh, Sam Williams writes him and he says, it's rumored that the RTX 3000 series will have 4X ray tracing performance versus 2000, relatively speaking. Yep, that's what I reported. We'll see. With this in mind... Will NVIDIA maintain pricing for the 60, 70, 80 class GPUs, or will they push even higher prices? Well, this is a question that I've answered before. It depends what AMD does. I don't see them going higher. We're in a recession, and the consoles, as we've discussed, we think will, keep, will be very competitively priced versus a lot of PC hardware. And so... Yeah, I mean, I think it's gonna depend on how much competition is out there. But at the very least, I just don't really see them charging more. And I see slight adjustments. I see maybe six hundred for the seventy class if it beats twenty eighty ti. I see the eighty class being like seven fifty instead of eight hundred, maybe, depending on how much stronger it is. We'll have to see. And I see them maybe being smart enough to make the thirty eighty Ti actually a thousand dollars instead of twelve hundred, although that's still marked up, but I don't feel like prices are going to be higher. I, I just, that's my gut. I could be wrong, though. If AMD falls flat and Ampere really is something special, they may say, hey, look, we're doubling performance, so we're keeping the prices, guys.
1: Yeah, it's very much dependent on what AMD does. I mean, I think the this all the rumor about the 3090 suggests that they, at a minimum, want to keep prices at where they're currently at. So we're not yeah. putting out a Titan this year because we can't reach what we consider Titan 25- performance. Twenty
0: well, prices. We can't justify yeah. Yeah, charging $2,500 justi- this year.
1: Yeah, I phrased that incorrectly. We can't... Yeah, you did, Dan. Uh, we can't justify $2,500 and we're sure as hell not saying the Titan isn't $2,500, so here's a 3090.
0: <laughs> that That's what I think's going on. There's a lot of people saying it means it's going to lose. It's like, no, I don't think it means it's going to lose. I just think that, I think they know they might have to charge $1,500 for it instead of $2,500. And yeah. they will prepare a Titan that will come out later that's even stronger. And then that's the one they want to put at 2500 That That's what I think. Yeah. We will see, though. Fatboy Diesel writes him, and he says, now that you're a YouTuber, will you put your test bench to use in order to prove points you make on your videos? Also, what are your thoughts on recent news regarding SK Hynix's mass production of HBM2E? Might we see mid-range RDNA 3 cards with Eight to sixteen gigabytes of HBM2E, and they're high-end variants with sixteen to thirty-two gigabytes. So two questions, really. There, Um, yeah, I'll use my test bench if I feel I need to, but I don't. I don't. I'm I'm not going to ever turn into hardware unboxed. You know, I just have zero. I have zero desire to do a ton of benchmarking. I will when I want to check something, and that's why I built that test rig. And it's really kind of a budget GPU test rig. Um yeah. and 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 I'll build another one when I feel it's justified. But I don't think it is justified most of the time for me and uh yeah, I mean I trust hardware unboxed. I mean they I literally can ask them a question whenever I want. They come on the podcast. So that's a good resource in my opinion, you know. They're tough what? workers. They live on an island of monsters <laughs> <laughs> that we yeah. call Australia.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're really bad there. Um yeah. But no, it's just
0: why do the job of somebody that's going to do it better than you, right? Yeah, and now if I need to check something myself, like he highlights, I will, and I have before. Um, But to your other question about HBM2E, might we see mid-range cards? Well, there's two ways to answer this. I don't think so, right? I think GDR6 is enough bandwidth, right? Even 256-bit, if they use 18 gigabit per second memory. I mean, you're talking about... More than enough bandwidth for something, I would say, as strong as a 2080 Ti. So I think that's what you're going to see in the mid-range. Having said that, I would argue Vega 56 was almost mid-range, even at launch at $400. So could we see some HBM2E down to there? Uh, Maybe in a year or so. Maybe. It just depends because HBM is constantly in such high demand. Um, It it just depends. But lower mid-range or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think maybe. I mean, I'm sorry, lower high-end, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, lo- lower mid-range, probably not. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think they're just going to switch to GDR6. And in fact, I think you're going to see low-end cards with DDR5 instead of GDR5 next year, because DDR5 oh, looks yeah. as fast.
1: I mean, yeah, and I guess with uh, HBM, I mean, there was all this hope that HBM would like, or curiosity that HBM like might overtake gddr I don't know, it seems like GDR is catching up to what HBM could have done at a cheaper, at a cheaper price. So GDR six is taking over and HBM still has a place, but I don't know exactly where that place will be in the future.
0: Yeah. Hector Santana writes him and he says, what were the smallest changes you made to your shows that had the most profound impact? What about the opposite? What has been the most effort you've put in that had the least impact? Well, I don't know about a specific thing. I think audio editing and video quality just continue to go up slightly as I get better and better and better at doing this. But, and all of those have helped. Um, I would say the most profound impacts have been kind of just having the time to actually do a final pass, which now Mm -hmm. that this is my full-time job. I can do with almost every video now where it's like, you know what? I'm going to try to make it basically done and then I'm going to sleep on it. I'm going to wake up in the morning, drink some coffee and go through the entire video just from start to finish making little changes. And I've noticed some profound quality increases for some videos from doing that. Um, Outside of that, Broken Silicon. You know, I think just launching Broken Silicon gave us a chance to really expound on our thoughts and make us, frankly, real people like it's like when you when you're a tech tuber that just puts out a cryptic leak every month, once a month one video, every, that's it. That's all you've said to your community, that's all people are going to judge you based on. But if you give us a couple hours a week to say, "Well, this is what I also think and this is the source and this is where it came from." And then you also reach out to other people to talk to, I think you just become less frankly less full of shit. You know, and I think broken silicon was imperative to this this entire platform.
1: And I also think that's important
0: because part of it, well, if
1: someone is trying to, uh, I don't know, take something you say out of context or whatever, um, which they always will, yeah. There's a, like, well, I have this much where I talk uh, where I talk about my thoughts on this specific thing you're mad about uh, more in depth because, frankly, in this video about uh, about I don't know some ampere leak or something, maybe you offhandedly mentioned something about AMD. And it's not really that important to the video, but people will like try to hammer you about it. Well, now you have all of this where you talk about your clear thoughts on something
0: and just the the talk with my community. I'm not some hard to get a hold of person. you can if you support us on Patreon, submit reader mail, and we won't just respond with a text. We'll sit here and talk about it for ten minutes. your question and and the ability to do that kind of eliminates a lot of the gotcha stuff now it's still gonna yeah. be there. But it at least means the people who are following us closely don't really have much room to, they're not going to be, you guys know. You guys who are the fans know is what I'm saying because you sit here and you listen to us, while you're driving to work, doing chores, you hear us expound on our opinions. And, you, and I've heard this a lot too, again, going back to Broken Silicon, having a, a guest on every other week who calls me out, says I don't agree, and then we have to argue over it. It stops me from getting stuck in this bubble.
1: Yeah, which is important. Uh, which is you, easy, by the way. Which is it? Well, I think I think everyone knows that. Yeah, it's so so easy to get caught into a uh, confirmation bias bubble, where uh, yeah, having people that disagree with you, which I know, like I think on the Tech Deals podcast, he definitely disagreed with us on some stuff, and, that, and, I, and that's I encourage and it. Yeah, and uh, hopefully he maybe he changed some of our thoughts, and maybe we changed some of his.
0: All right, Dan, we got one more reader mail here. All righty. By Iothor. I don't know why I said it weird that time, but I did. After linking my Patreon in Discord, I realized I have access to too many TechTuber content creators, and it is just too much effort to keep using my phone for this. Uh, well, it also doesn't help that Patreon's app sucks. Uh, but how far <laughs> out would you speculate until I can just have a chip put in my brain that injects received Discord messages as thoughts? It allows me to send responses via a similar method. Ah, uh, twenty years. I think you'll be able to get it in ten, but I don't think you'll want to. <laughs> I was going to say fifteen, so I think that's a pretty similar thing. For look at that, I said I said ten to twenty. You said fifteen. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe we already have it. This is more evidence that we are clones of each other. Yeah, that's true. Except we don't really look that alike anymore. But they say it's all sleight of hand we're just but, um, a fast one. Well, if you, well, you guys don't that. know as I got as Dan got plastic surgery to look differently.
1: Well, yeah, and I guess I should have highlighted that before I said that we look different, but mm-hmm. you know. I mean, and I will also add to this, I don't think adding Discord chats is the best use of
0: no, extra <laughs> of extra brain power New if you have a computer in your head. <laughs> That's the scary thing to think of is you know, it's just like when you look at movies like 2001: A Space Odyssey and it's like, look at us, we're on Mars and we have space stations and it's like, no, 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 we want flatter TVs. Flatter TVs, please. <laughs> and yeah, it's and like when, we, when you think of putting a like a Deus Ex situation, it's like, oh, so people will be super strong, be able to jump everywhere, and be hyper intelligent. No, they just wanted porn constantly playing in their head. Yeah, and it'll be fun. It'll be like we'll we'll, we'll be sold that like
1: um this will allow you to reference some <laughs> theorem you were thinking of.
0: Uh, just like how they the, sell smartphones to us where they're just like, it's able to do all this stuff for work. And it's like, eh, guys, it's got a bigger screens yeah. so you can watch porn.
1: <laughs> and when, what? Yeah. When, what will it be used for? I'm bored at work. Inject porn into my brain.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, now we know what Dan's doing while he's killing fish.
1: Yes, I'm injecting porn into my brain.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what that got that syringe right there already, Um, which is how that works, right?
1: Yeah, I just wantonly stab fish with a syringe. That's how you do it.
0: And into your own head. Yes. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, that's all the reader mail, Dan. Do you have any last things you want to discuss? Any news? I think this is a rather large episode, surprisingly, but there were so many little stories. It's just this how it turned out. No, I don't. The usual no. The usual Dan no. I almost said it. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, you know, I'll just remind everyone again, you know, I am doing this full time. I do pay Dan. I do pay Gerard. I am looking to expand the team. If you listen to this every week, If you're a hitchhiker, I get it. Please share our videos. Please tell your friends. Just walk outside. Just walk outside and yell at people. Say, listen to this. And uh, if you have any extra money, there are several tiers. The $2 one gets you an exclusive podcast. The ability to support Telegrams. $4, I think you get reader mail. I I have a new flyer states to edit together. So you get that. You get Hits and Gems podcast. You get ad-free versions of Broken Silicon. So the $4 level, you actually get quite a bit. Even at the one dollar level, you get access to the Discord for some limited interactions with everybody who are, you know, on the same team here, and you know. And then there's everything else. You know, whatever you can afford, you are making this possible. And, and thank you to all the people that do support us. You are making a dream. You're making several dreams come true. And uh, I don't know. Stay safe out there. Try not to uh, get engulfed in the po- an apocalypse that seems to be going on this year. <laughs> yeah. But it'll all be over eventually. <laughs> eventually we will all be dead. Just
1: let that make you feel better. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna that's what I was trying to get at. <laughs> yeah,
0: on that cheery note. All right. Thanks everybody. Goodbye. The following podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law's Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, Moore's Laws Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and Select Technical Editing by Carbon Cry. You can find all of our information, including how to get a hold of us, at ww.moreslawsdead.com. And if you are a fan and would like to send mail or other hardware, please mail parcels to Moore's Law's Dead, P.O. Box 10468, Peoria, Illinois, 61612. And speaking of fans, without exaggeration, the patrons are solely responsible for the continued distribution of the content you just listened to. And so if you have some extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast, die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes. The ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, die shrink, and loose ends, and of course, the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who would love to meet you. I am one of them. The Discord is only at one dollar, and at higher tiers, you get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the back catalog of Flyover States podcast, thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts, and other perks as well. And if you cannot afford to support us, please just share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media and Reddit. And give Broken Silicon and Flyover States a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All of this really does help so much more than I think anyone realizes. If you'd like to advertise on the podcast or a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its fans supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Bootman, Carbon Cry, Dean, Benny Berlin, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, I Love You, Lynn and Jim Box, Joshua Albin, Muhammad al Kawari, Frederick Lau, James Crasser, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Herod, Brad Medlin, Phil S., Thyris, of the Ninth Dude, Greg Renegar, TSPCFS, Chrysantine, Night Rogue 77, The Mechanical Philosopher, Lebo Kinkilo, Fatboy Diesel, Daniel Hyde, Matthew McMullen, Christoph Novak, Jack O'Neill, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Sexy, V.I. Pass, Sadler Sadler, Richard Cohagon, Alethros, Telos, Hey There's a Kitty, Greg T. Wanchik, Jacob Barber, XOT, Hector Santana, Matthew Lane, Paul Jones, Jan Rounder, Rubber Ducks, Trita Full, Allie Robertson, Eric Jackson, Jonathan, Joe, Evan Dingle, Dominic Cock, Dominic Dewark, Harold P. Bureau, Wayne, Sam MacArthur, Total Silos, Sol Connor, Michael Costa, Andrew S. Blake, Aaron Keith, AJ Klein, Endless Loggins, Tom San Justin Brennan, Arcon 971, Trevor Powers, Garrick Shoal, El Nya, Joshua Stavnis, Daniel Nishball, Frank Frederick, uh Hardware Numbers, Alex Carastillo, Dark Rain 2049, and Leighton Perry. And of course, thank you to Sahara for the music.